<laughs> Does it have to be that cliche? <laughs> yes, you know it. Good day, you bunch of hosers. Oh, hey, good day, and welcome to another Forge Side Chat, a podcast about blacksmithing, bladesmithing, and everything in between, with a heavy focus on talent and the great white north. Oh my, you must be talking about Canada, and this time in the Forge, we've got Dennis Tyrell. He's uh, in California, but he's Canadian, so he's, he's part of the fam, and uh don't know about Dennis. He uh, runs Tyrell Knifeworks. He's an ABS journeyman bladesmith. He is probably most known for his YouTube channel where he has 233 freaking thousand followers. But, uh, his content from week to week, tool, triple T Thursdays, and then his builds and just like shop developments. Um, really cool to see starting point of like you're going to start with zero followers to this point. So I, I want to deep dive into that kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, he's just uh, part of the community, putting on challenges every, I don't know, every six months, every eight months, dagger challenge, fantasy challenge, chopper challenges, all this stuff. Right. So welcome to the Forge. We've got Dennis Tyrell here. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. Good to hear some uh, Canadian accents for a change. <laughs> Do we have an sure, accents, eh? Lyndon? I don't, I've been told that's the case. I, I don't know. I was sure. Okay. Whatever. Eh? Maybe. I don't you know, know. I lived in California for about eight years before I could hear the Canadian accent. Oh, really? Yeah. After about huh. eight years, I talked to someone on the phone. And I'm like, man, we do sound different. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's a little bit of uh like you get a little bit of the Midwestern as well in the United States. They got a little bit of the same lingo. Yeah. You get out to Minnesota. the Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. Well, Wisconsin. That's one that I think about too a lot there. They they got there and Michigan. Um, no. But you get out to the East Coast, Nova Scotia and PEI and stuff. And those guys just have a way different. You hit Newfoundland and it's like, what yeah. the hell happened? <laughs> <laughs> I got friends in Newfoundland. Uh, yeah, I know all about it. <laughs> <laughs> got paddled by a moose or something. I don't know. Well, they say all the same words, but they just mean different things. It's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, everybody, that was Justin that gave us the uh, introduction there. Justin's from Rainy Day Forge. You can go follow him on Instagram under such or on Facebook as uh, Justin Lamoureux. He's uh, one of the co-hosts here at Forge Side Chat. We kind of switch it up every once in a while between myself, Justin, and our friend uh, Nick Verbray at uh, Old Soldier Toolworks, and today we've got myself, Lando Novak, Justin, and Dennis sitting down to chat about, well, what Dennis does in the knife industry here, and, uh, you know, why don't we start off with, where did this start for you, dude? What got you going? Believe it or not, I'm I'm part of that Forged in Fire generation. Um, Started watching the show with my son and thought, man, that looks really fun. That looks like something I could do with my son, who's now 17, but at the time was like 12 or whatever. And uh, it just started from there. And now, you know, it's a, it's a, I wouldn't say steamroll. It's like an obsession now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can see that for sure, man. You, uh, 
you shine bright, dude. And that's what happens to people with good passion. And they put in the work like you do work for it, boys, right? The community so. is definitely, uh, it's an addictive community too. Everyone wants to help each other. And that's, that's the best part of the knife making community. It's, if it was like some other communities, it maybe would have been a different start. That's that's so funny you say that actually. Well, it's not funny because there's a, a little bit of a, a crappy story behind this. But I posted something on Facebook a few, probably maybe a week ago about how much I love the blacksmithing community compared to the snowboarding industry. Um, you know, I, I ran into some issues in the snowboarding industry with a few people. There was some bad blood there and it kind of created, you know, something that I, d- I didn't fall in love with. But I have never seen something like, well, that's not true. There is there is some bad blood between certain people in the blacksmithing community. Because there's some names out there that that like to go a little bit crazy on what they what they say in the social media aspects. But for the most part, we're all a very loving community and we respect each other and such. You know, it's uh, something that has kept me very, you know, enthralled in, in being part of the community, such as Porchside Chat here. What you you started doing a YouTube channel, man, and you know, was there something that led up to doing that? So when when I started, like like everyone, my first whatever six, seven, eight knives, whatever, were just crap. And then I knew I wanted to eventually, you know, maybe sell some knives. So I figured I would start the YouTube channel because I thought that would give me some whatever notoriety, whatever you want to call it. And then, and I've said this in many other interviews, podcasts, whatever that it really flipped on me instead of mm-hmm. doing YouTube to sell knives, it was make knives for YouTube content. So it really turned into that. And YouTube is like, I call it kind of like, it's kind of like a hamster wheel. Like you got to keep the wheel moving. You got to, mm-hmm. you got to keep feeding that beast or you won't grow and you won't, you know, you, so I have a drive, more of a drive for YouTube than I do like selling knives. So I'm more of a content creator than I am a knife maker. But of course, I love making knives. That's the root of it. Do you, do you find yourself collecting a lot of your own knives that you make? Or are they mostly knives that you sell? Hang on, look of... at this. I, 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 a, I got a beer delivery. <laughs> I'm jealous. Fort nice. Gary oh, yeah. Dark, Estella, Mine's 1919. Almost empty. <laughs> wow. Um, my shout out is going out to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Tell her Thanks to head so over to my place and drop one off for me, man. Yeah. No, to, to answer your question, like I, the only knives I I ever keep uh, are the ones with flaws. <laughs> um, or I have kept two of the swords, um, the Wakazashi and the, and the Spartan sword, because I like to put those on the table at Blade. Mm. Um, but other than that, I don't keep, and the shark knife, but I probably will let that one go. But, um, other than that, I don't really keep knives. I'm not a knife collector. Like you get a lot of people that are rooted in like, Hey, I love knives. I used to collect knives. That's not me. I never have collected knives. Well, one of the reasons I asked that question is this came up on, um, the Forgecast in a recent episode with Niels Vandenberg and, uh, Stuart. Smith and they spoke about having knives that you you don't sell. These are strictly display knives to show off your skills when it comes to something like blade show. And uh, you know, it's 
how do you hold back from not selling something when somebody gives you the right price tag, right? Yeah, there's always that, you know, the right price tag. (laughs) You'll you'll take for it. Like if someone walked up and offered me like crazy money for one of those swords, I would probably take it. But no one has done that yet. But, you know, who knows? Well, there's guys out there that are definitely selling knives and... I don't. I I wouldn't say you know crazy life changing money, but damn close, man, damn close. Well, when when Kyle Royer's selling a sword for the price of a Corvette, right? That's oh, what I'm wow. thinking of. Exactly what I was thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to be there someday. Yeah, but he, you know he puts in the work for it, right? And oh, that's yeah. it shows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that would be my biggest shout out slash inspiration would probably be Kyle. Nice, nice. Uh, you ever work with? Um, not like I haven't done a collab or anything with them, but I mean, we've chatted at uh, um, at Blade Show. Uh, I, I take his course, like I, I pay for his monthly course, and he came by my table at Blade, and we chit chatted about the the gold knife that we're going to talk about today. He was very mm. intrigued at that because uh, he does a lot of gold. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's a good dude. I've I've chatted with him before, but not like we've ever worked together. I see. I see. Is that uh, something on your bucket list is to go and work with somebody like him? Sure. I'd love to just go take a course with him or maybe Salem or a couple of guys mm-hmm. I got on my list to uh, go take some classes with. For sure. Uh, do you got a list of guys that you have done work with or taking classes? Um, I've never taken an, an actual class. Um, my first one will probably be with, with probably with Salem. Um, I've already reached out to him, but maybe in the, in the spring. Nice. Um, but I've got guys I've collabed with like, um, uh, Rick Hall, who's in, he's in Reno. He's a fellow journeyman. We took the, we took the test together. We just finished a collab. That was that one with the, the sun, the sunset, ocean sunset, Damascus. If you saw that one on my, uh, on my channel or not, but that one's pretty cool. So he, we did that at his place. And you also did a collab with Brian and, and like, that was actually one of the things I wanted to ask you about was like, because I've had people reach out to me as well saying, Hey, we should do a collab. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like, <laughs> like I get it in the end, we end up with a knife, but like, how do you balance between two makers and decide what's going to happen? So I've, I've done a couple, we used to call them challenges instead of collabs, but because um, right. I'm a competitive person, I love like competing has always been a thing. And uh, when I first, I don't know if you know Aaron from Ailey Knives. Um, yeah. So Aaron, I reached out to Aaron and we're, boy, back then our channels were like 2,500, 3,000 subscribers. And we said, hey, why don't, why don't we do a... Um, like a challenge, like a friendly challenge. I said, I'll make yeah. some Damascus. And I'll send you one half of the billet and I'll keep half the billet. And then we'll do a build video using that Damascus. Okay. So that was kind of fun because we each got our own spin with Brian's. Uh, I made the, I made the steel and did the basic shape of the knife. And then he finished the grinding and did the handle work. So it, it all depends on what okay. you're, you know, if you have forging abilities, if you don't, if you're stock removal guy, if you can do Damascus, like it's whatever, you know, I, I've seen people like, what kind of what the 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 challenge Kyle and the guys just did? Um, hmm. Everyone make the same knife. Like I forget what they the build along challenge that they called right. it. 
Yeah. That was the Redbeard Ops one. Yeah. Is, yep. Yeah. You know, Justin, we've done a collab together before, bud. Oh yeah, we made. Well, we worked on a hammer, right? That's right. Yeah, and yeah. that went out to uh, who'd that go out to again? Brendan Eliak. And oh, last nice. I heard from him was not that long ago. Apparently, that hammer's become his favorite hammer, dude. Something ah. to be proud of. Yeah, something man. I've never built is a hammer. No mm. way. It's on the list. Axes. Axes. I've done a hatchet. Okay. But wait till the chopper challenge. I'm sure you're going to see some kind of axe like object <laughs> when does that start um so the video we always do we always have the videos launch april and october so oh. that means we start around february 1st kind of thing we give people usually two months to get the builds done i like choppers cool. man if if i was to build anything with a an edge on it i think chopper would be where i gravitate towards i like axes too but i don't that's that's a different category. Other, than, you know, choppers still fall into the knife category. Axes don't really, or do they? Well, we're keeping it pretty. We always like to keep the challenges pretty open because not everyone can forge. A lot of people are doing stock removals, so we like to yeah. be inclusive. So it can be a kukri, it can be a, you know, a big thick blade, a camp knife, it can be an axe, it can be whatever you machete. want. Machete, yeah, yeah, machete, a- anything that can chop something. So it's really open for interpretation. Gotcha, gotcha. Kind of a different category than being just a knife. It's a chopper. It, it, it's something that chops with an edge on it. That's kind of the the parameters. Oh, got to the chopper! <laughs> How bad did I do that? That's actually pretty good. Not too bad, actually. <laughs> Sweet. Keystone Lager, Keystone Lights. <laughs> well, that could do some work. and keystone buddy yikes yeah 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 i haven't drank that in quite a few years (laughs) well can you do it it happens Uh, justin brought bud light to a freaking hammer and i don't know what he he was thinking Uh, no i don't drink canadian hammer or american one (laughs) we're in canada eh? oh okay it's not it's it's not as allowed there (laughs) No, yeah. Here you wouldn't be. You wouldn't be scoffed at here. No, I. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so this uh, gold knife you're working on, dude. You want to dive into that a little bit, Justin? Yeah, let's do it. Like I know, several months ago you were working on a gold knife, but then that kind of hit the fan, right? Well, that was actually back in April. Uh, okay. So I'll, I'll give folks the history. So for yeah. the Dagger Challenge in April, I had wanted to do, like you guys know, I do like the copper blades, kind of what yep. I'm known for on YouTube. And a mm. lot of people ask me, could you do it with gold? So I looked mm-hmm. into it for the Dagger Challenge, and I wanted to do a layered Damascus with gold. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know, gold's freaking expensive. So... um <laughs> I chose to use 10 karat gold that time and bought $2,000 worth of 10 karat gold. Oh, I remember reading about this, dude. (laughs) And this is very, it's still very counterintuitive and intuitive to me that 10 karat gold, which is mixed mostly with copper, has a lower melting point than pure gold. 
Okay. So 10 karat gold has a melting point of around 1625. That's the conductivity of copper is higher than gold. That's why. Yeah, but gold's melting. I mean, but copper's melting point is 1950 degrees. So you would th- it's weird that the two metals, because mm-hmm. pure gold is 1950, 1947, but the two yeah. metals together, together lower the melting point to just over 1600 degrees Fahrenheit, of course. Yo, that's crazy, dude. It's weird, right? Yeah. So anyway, I had a lot of problems doing it the first time. It didn't work. $2,000 down the drain. Uh, and mm. idiot me lost all the footage, so I couldn't even make a video out of it. Oh, no. So, uh. and I put I put a little video showing, like, the failed dagger or whatever. And I had one of my Patreon members. It's actually the guy that bought the knife from the very first challenge we did, the Yoto oh, challenge. Cool. Reach out to me and said, if I front the money, would you try it with 24 karat gold? Oh. And I said, of course I will. <laughs> <laughs> Take so, off. Jeez. So this knife has $5,500 worth of gold in it. Oh. Um, how, much, how much gold is $5,500 worth of 24 karat? How much should we? Just over two ounces. Oh, that's a decent little chunk. I mean, you've got, you've got, you know, cost and like, you know, you're paying a premium, of course. So it's not just the weight of the gold, right? Right. Um, but it's, that is one and a half by six inch. Uh, I'm forgetting the gauge. 20, 23 gauge or something like that. Okay. Um, or 28 gauge. I forget exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like 17 thousandths thick. Yeah, it's 20, Amer- 28 American gauge. <laughs> um, yeah, so and there's two of those in the in the construction because the billet was only one and a half by six, and then of course it's drained. So, but it worked, or also we wouldn't be talking about it. <laughs> um, but the only conditions were delete the YouTube channel. I'm done. I quit. <laughs> right. The, the only condition from David, the guy that supplied the money, was that he wanted a chef knife, which wasn't my first choice. I'd rather do a, like a buoy or something like that. But um, but so I had to put a little spin on it. It's got a false edge. It looks cool. So I'll show it to you. Oh, oh wow. All right. Wait, sneak peek. Woohoo. Sorry, listeners. Oh, holy shit. Wow. Holy f- Oh my gosh! Oh, so you don't, you oh my! Don't. I gotta go. I need a towel, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Holy fuck! Hang on. This is... Love you. <laughs> wow! Oh, you, you brought it. You brought a yeah. tear to my eye, dude. That's insane! Holy fuck! Wow! It's got the gold inlay on the bowl. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And, wow. It was really fun to do, and it was, it's very strange, as you're grinding a knife, to uh, see gold flakes on your rest. So afterwards, I actually panned, it's in the video, I actually panned all the grindings. <laughs> I was going to uh, ask. You recuperated no a bunch. Nice. That, that's, wow, the, yeah. that's the gold that just came from the grindings. So that's yeah. going in the in the presentation case beside the knife. So it comes gotcha. in a nice case. So. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. So it was, it was a nail biter for sure. Um, doing the forge weld and, and 
Like I, I heat treated it. Like I basically cut the profile. I didn't even grind the scale off it once I had the billet. Uh, cut the profile out and heat treated it. Didn't surface grind it. Didn't I didn't want anything applied to that thing until it was heat treated. Then I did everything post heat treat bevels everything. Right, right. Because I was just the last thing I wanted this thing to do was split <laughs> because it split on me the first time uh, when I was surface grinding before heat treat. Oh, really? Oh, Interesting. No way. Yeah, because I I think I heated it up too much, okay. and uh, it just let let because you know I don't know if you guys have surface grinders, but on the on the surface grinder you can't really tell how hot it's getting. I thought I I'm pretty sure yeah. I got it a little too hot. You know what? Okay, why not run flood coolant on your surface surface grinder? Well, this is a that was a two by seventy two attachment, so it's not like okay. I can do coolant. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. But today, it's funny you say that because today, the reason I was going to the hardware store is because my full size surface grinder uh, came today. Ah, so that's what's yeah. too heavy in your shop to move. Yes, fourteen hundred pounds worth of uh, Kent surface grinder. Ooh, so, excellent. Uh, pretty happy about that one. I still need to move it into place and plug it in and all that fun stuff. But yeah, that'll be nice. Yeah. That'll be tomorrow. That'll be Thursday's video, I think. <laughs> oh, awesome! So, as far as shop goes, are you reaching capacity? What what size of space oh. do you have, dude? Come on, that was my idea. Uh, uh-uh, I took it. I wanted to ask him about his shop and his, you know, stuff. Take okay. off, all right. I'll let you have <laughs> it this I time, buddy. Uh, I'm in a I'm in a 25 foot by 25 foot two car garage, so uh, it's it's pretty much maxed out. Like what you know, maybe if I optimize a little bit, but I got a lot. Of, the only thing I don't have in there is a power hammer. Um, I got two grinders. I've got a, a, the hydraulic, the 50 ton hydraulic press. I got the rolling mill and forge, two anvils. Um, you know the wait, um, wait, 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 wait. Oh, 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 tell me about your, your tool. I mean, uh, tools, tools, what kind of anvils you got there, bud. Uh, I, my big one, my big one, probably small for you guys, but my big one's a one 170 pound hay button. Nice. Mm. I like hay buttons. Nice. Those are uh, beauty, beauty anvils. Yeah. It was, you know, California, buying an anvil in, in California is like ridiculous. It is the stupidest place to buy an anvil. Because they're like eight bucks a pound. Oh. It's crazy. I paid nine hundred dollars for that anvil. Used oh, damn! Condition, but yeah, Show. you can oh, buy a man. brand new, like one, you know, one forty or one fifty from Holland Anvil for like thirteen hundred. And so, they make some damn nice anvils, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they're actually right behind us at Blade, the table right behind us. We were like sitting together the whole show so i know all about all the anvils you had a little bit of drool looking over yeah. there hey yeah right okay. they have their big what is it their 450 pounder on display no, or? They, they just had a table they weren't uh they didn't have a uh a booth yeah, the last thing you want to do is try to put a big anvil like that on a table eh? right <laughs> or even take it to a show like that ah you know a little doll you'll take it around for you no problem right <laughs> Sorry, so I I cut you off. You're telling us about the shop. Let's uh, jump back to that if you don't mind. Um, I, I think I covered almost all of it. Oh, heat treating okay. oven and you know HRC tester, all the normal knife making stuff 
once you've been in the once you've been in in it for a while i should say um take you a little bit to learn how to use that uh hardness tester or you just jumped right into it no they're easy yeah Yeah, you can you can figure those out in minutes I was talking to one of the uh, engineers at my work that does a lot of material testing and we got into chatting about how depending on what material you're using and curvature of the material and all sorts of different stuff, you can be really getting different results. Yeah, it's it's got to be flat. Um, definitely got to be flat. Any kind of bevel on it or anything like that. Yeah, forget it. You're, it's really got to be flat. So usually... You always do the tang is usually what I do. Um, there you go. Your tang's flat and then you're usually fine. Smart. Nice. Good advice. What size of uh, heat treating oven do you have? I have an even heat. Uh, what is it? LB 18, 18 inch, which I'm already outgrowing and wish I had a, mm. I'd like to clap, clap, uh, clamp two of those together uh, at times for swords and stuff. But I, I do swords so infrequently that uh, it's fine. Well, in case, yeah, two 18 inch long ones. I mean, does the job, right? I'm actually contemplating, uh, talking to Mr. House, Mr. Brian and, uh, uh, getting two of the Apollo forges and, and getting them a way to rig it up so you can clamp them together. Oh, fuck. For sure. No problem there, dude. I could see that working. Right. Easily, easily. Ah, totally. Just double it. Man, modular freaking forge system. Just keep on adding more for the longer blades you want to do. Right? That'd be cool because a lot of guys are like, oh, yeah, I just turn off one of the burners or I put a divider. I'm like, screw that. I just want to like, okay, when I'm not using the forge, fine. Like, I'm I'm just going to separate them. Otherwise, I'll clamp them together. I thought that'd be cool. That would be yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, I've, I've had a lot of interest in trying to find myself a forge that gives me the ability to put in very large pieces and i have seen them before where it's pretty much open on three sides and it's just a back that kind of holds almost like a, a little you know it's a, as thick as a as one fire brick pretty much and it'll have multiple burn, burners throughout that but you, dude the efficiency of one of those oh my god three open walls like right yeah. well you yeah for blacksmithing i could see you want the the wide doors and the bigger access yeah but I was actually intrigued. Rick has got a one of those vertical forges, and I never really got. I oh, ne- yeah. never understood the vertical forge until I saw his. Okay. Um, and I, I never clued into me. I don't know why. It never clued into me that when you put and Kyle Kyle Royer is the same way. When you put the work in, it's not sitting on a table. It's free hanging. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, maybe I'm slow or something, but I never figured that out. And then as soon as he told me, I'm like, oh, I got to make one of those just for Damascus because I do so much Damascus. I would love to have it not sitting on us on the on a surface. It just heats all the way around. Right. The so what's what? OK, one of those. what I need an explanation on that one. I don't understand. Why do you care? Well, because. For Damascus, you want if it heats evenly on all four sides, you're not you're not constantly turning it to make sure you're getting even heat on all sides, okay. because it's you know it's heating. If you right. get a blower from the bottom, it's heating all the way. I got gotcha. you. Uh, okay, yeah. So it's it's much easier that way, and actually faster. You'll you'll be able to heat the billet faster. Interesting. Hmm. And I guess with longer blades as well too, you wouldn't get sag in the blade if. Uh 
it's warm. Well, but or... it's only like the forge is only maybe a what sixteen inches across. Um, okay, and there's a hole on the other end. So if you did have something long, it would still go through. Oh, but my forge is only okay. eighteen inches. But it's the fact that there's no floor on the like the floor is right dropped like huh. ten inches below. So anything you put in there is free hanging. You have to have a bar on it, obviously. Oh, that's I okay. So I th- I was picturing in my head when you said a vertical forge, one where you put your piece in from the top of it. No, 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 from the side, but it's in the middle, so it's empty uh, space above and below. Yeah. Okay, because so, my buddy Dan has an actual vertical forge where he puts his pieces in from the top. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. That's that's almost like a almost like a furnace. No, I mean a, yeah, a, a vertical. I, I, okay. I, maybe there's another term for them than vertical forge, but that's but, smart. I like yeah. that idea. I mean, it makes it would make it difficult if you're doing like your typical blacksmithing procedures and you need to reach in there and grab something with your tongs that may have gone to the bottom of that, right? Right. Yeah. It's 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 especially for Damascus. Well, you, I mean, you could I, eat, I you could rig it up by just throwing a fire brick in the bottom, though. To give you sure, your but, table, right? Or or have two forges is really what. Ah, uh, I'm just thinking for somebody that doesn't have the space for two forges that this idea can embellish what they can do with their forge now that they can have yeah. both uh, both luxuries, right? And speaking of luxury and all these beautiful things we're talking about, if you head over to maritimeknifesupply.ca, you can find yourself even heat paragon kilns, you can find yourself hardness testers, you can find yourself forges, and you can also save yourself $100 on the even heat or the paragon heat treating oven if you use the code FSCKILN. That's at maritimeknifesupply.ca or .com. That's where I get all my steel and all my equipment. Oh, no way. Nice. Is that where you got your wow. harness, Mister? Uh, no, I already had that. Uh, but uh, he does have them, right? Yeah, he's he now does. he's carrying them, and for a decent price too, man. If I am yeah. not mistaken, I saw it was somewhere around the sixteen hundred dollar range. That might have been uh, the Black Friday sale that I saw that price, but yeah, that's what I paid for mine. Nice, nice. Oh, they're not cheap, man. I mean, unless you go down to like a unit, like we've got one at work that's uh, uh drops a ball. And the accuracy of it is eh. it's HRC. Yep, that gives you an HRC reading. Hmm. I've never seen those. The, the ones here, the only ones you can like, the ones you buy at Granger or or Grizzly. I have the Grizzly version. They're oh, yeah. like, whatever thirteen and change. And by the time you get it to you, yeah, it's yeah fifteen sixteen hundred. If it was from Granger, freaking actual cost of it's probably like half of that. Yeah. Oh, same with Grizzly. Yeah. yeah. The markup of those places is kind of insane. Like if you work for a big company and you see what kind of deals you get if you work for a big company in price, holy crap, man. It's insane, the markup. But I mean, at the same time, it, it makes sense that the, the large companies get that, right? Because they're buying millions of dollars worth of uh, stuff every year. So yeah, yeah. give and Tool, take there. Tools are pricey, man. Yeah, they are. Oh, and for good reason, man. I make it. I, I mean, it's it's what you make your living with, right? So yeah, yeah. But I've I've always been a fan of buying buying good tools. Even like sometimes the older ones are better than the newer ones. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't I, I didn't mind paying a you know just shy of three grand for that surface grinder because it's an old one. It's a solid one. It's not like cheapo, right? You know. 
overseas one kind of thing. So is it a stone that grinds or is it a belt? It's a stone right now, but I'll probably do the belt conversion on it just because yeah. it, it's easier for me. I don't need the, you know, I'm, I'm not a machinist. I don't need the precision that the stone gives you. Uh, yeah. I want the belts and the, the versatility. Speed as well. Yeah, speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. Sure. Are you converting yours, Justin? Were you sitting on that? Uh, I'd. It might be a Christmas project over the break, but cool. Prob- probably not. I, well, maybe next summer. I don't know. <laughs> Time. <It's, laughs> we went it's from that... Christmas project to next summer. <laughs> well, I was like, yeah, Christmas would be great over Christmas break, and then I'm like, oh, I've got so much work to do. I probably. <sighs> Speaking of Christmas break, man, I'm not too sure I'm going to be making over to your place on Friday, bud. Oh, no way. Yeah, well, look at how I feel right now, right? So if I'm still feeling like shit, I'll spare you guys the agony of having to put up with me. So yeah, don't, don't let the leper into your house here. Oh, don't want other people getting <laughs> sick. <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking is last thing I want to do is pass on a sickness at Christmas time. And yeah. 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 I, yeah. My... my my stepdad used to i don't know if this was a game he played or what because he was just like a freaking grumpy fucking dude that hated everything and every christmas he'd be like i'm sick as oh and he would just spend the entire freaking christmas holidays like in bed pretty much at home alone yeah (laughs) no at home with the family we're all in the living room doing stuff and he's in bed being a useless twat excuse my language yeah i lot lots of love for my stepdad right (laughs) sounds like it (laughs) Yeah. Choice words that I want to say that I'll bite my lip. Anyways, yeah. Your uh, your kid's still working with you in the shop at all, Dennis? Or um, Actually, so a couple, what was it now? I don't know, a month ago or just, a, I, I, I did a build for um, the 2x72 surface grinder. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then for guys that didn't have a mill, uh, I was offering the, and still am, the mag chucks, like the permanent mag chucks on my website so he's actually been in the shop making those so uh oh, no if anywhere anyone's ordering one of those it's him that's making them under my direction so oh nice yeah that's been cool that is super awesome yeah, yeah. kind of uh is that like uh some welding involved in that or not just milling it's it's milling and drilling like that's glue and glue and magnets and uh, epoxying magnets into place so nice. that kind of thing yeah you got yourself a decent milling machine then i suppose yeah, I've got uh, probably one of the higher-end Chinese milling machines, but uh, it'd be one Precision Matthews, one of those. So right. gets the job done. It was new when I bought it, so auto feed on it and whatnot. Um, it doesn't. I didn't go. It's got the DRO. I didn't. I don't. I don't do enough machining to need the auto feed because okay. uh, I'm usually doing like parts that are like this long. Little. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm slotting guards is what I'm doing most of the time. Right. Right. So. Nothing, nothing too major. Is that something slotting you guards. can? Sorry, I was going to say slotting guards, and on the lathe, I'm making pommel nuts that are like I might as well just get one of those super mini ones. <laughs> nice to have the the larger one. You got a lathe too? Yeah. What do you have for a lathe? Oh, it's a cheap Enco lathe, but uh, it was given to me. A buddy of mine gave it to me. It was in rough shape when I got it, but kind of restored it, and uh, it's working great now. So, oh fuck, that's pretty sweet, dude. Oh, you got the setup going on for sure, man. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. Like I said, 
I also have the, the luxury of having a, a pretty lucrative day job. So I can afford to spend more money on the hobby. Um, then now the hobby's overtaken the day job. We'll see. I was hmm. kind of wanting to ask about that. How, how do you manage your, your day? Do you go to work during the day and then you're in the shop in the evening or. So, so I'm in high tech. Um, I'm a director of a software company, so I actually work from home. So a lot of times, yeah lunchtime, whatever, if I'm kicking off a little early, I'm down in the shop or before work, I'm down in the shop, you know, nice. between meetings, sometimes I'm down in the shop. Oh, for uh, sure. So it's, uh, during it's, meetings, it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. not quite. I, but. <laughs> people that work from home, dude, and holy crap, people freaking babysitting in the me- middle of high end meetings. They've got their kids crawling all over top of them and stuff. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> all right. <laughs> luckily i don't have that i got the dog snoring to deal with but other than that that's it yes what kind of dog you got uh she's a mutt those are the best man she's cute though molly is it molly molly that's right yeah holy fuck justin's just creeping in on this guy i was on the website she's in my video she's oh and she's on the website too yeah yeah (laughs) molly the shop dog Although she's never in the shop, so I don't know why I called her that. You, you drop you got you got a Nardware hit up hit up a Nardware style question for this guy, bud. Oh, dude, what? I've I know who Nardware is, but that that's it. Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying now. So Nardware is like he's a Canadian celebrity. interviewer. He kind of interviews people and he digs up like random facts of like okay back in high school dennis uh, your buddy john he told me about this time where you guys were uh out in the backwoods and you wouldn't tell him about how you know that you wouldn't tell yeah well that's the thing you wouldn't tell him that your buddy told you just be like so yeah when you were seven years old you found yourself wandering in the backwoods kind of lost there hey and what <laughs> I, I i would i would entertain that that would be fun to <laughs> to hear hardware is some good shit man when did you leave canada dennis uh it was right before the um, right after it was like right at kind of 2000 yeah it was fall of 2000 okay so it's been whatever 20 22 and a half years something like that where were you living in Canada, bud? Um, it's funny because I've heard you guys talk about this blacksmithing, um, whatever, hammer and iron, or whatever. The, the yeah. one in um, in Fergus? Yeah. 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 So I used to live in Guelph, which is like 20 minutes from Fergus. Yeah. So okay. every time I hear you guys mention that, I'm like, oh, I want to go back home so I can go to that. But <laughs> uh, Next summer, bud. It's on. What is it? August sixth, uh, right? 16th. August sixth. Oh, that's a terrible time. It's so humid. <laughs> I know. Oh yeah. I thought oh, the same right. thing. Like, August third to sixth. Oh, it'd be like uh, thirty, yeah. close to forty degrees out. Probably humid. It's not two hundred percent humidity. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's 40 degrees Celsius, so I don't know what it is. What's that in Freedom Height? 100, 112 around there? Uh, no, it's like, yeah, it's like 98 or something around there. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah it's and hot. Like, it's hot here, but, it, you know, it sounds funny, some of California bitching about the heat in Canada. But, uh, you know, here, if it's 100 degrees outside, it's still, you know, 
it's still cooler in the shade. Not in Canada. Not in August. No. Yeah, you get that humidity and you just get sticky. And well, I'm, oh. it's like Florida. It's brutal. Right. Yeah. And then in the winter time, you get the exact opposite where you get that humidity in the air and it can be all of like maybe minus two, minus three out and you're just frozen. You come to Winnipeg where it's dry as snot and it's minus 40 out right now and it doesn't feel nearly as bad outside at minus 40 as it did the other day when it was humid and minus three. You live in Winnipeg? Oh, that's cold. <laughs> Yeah. Winter bag. Yeah. Winter bag. Yeah. Just saying it, you can feel cold. Yeah. I got friends that live there too. So, uh, oh, sorry to hear that, man. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh. Any, anything from your childhood where you were like into making stuff, getting in the, in like what brought you to think that you were That's able like- to make knives? Good question, man. I've wanted to ask that before. Dive into that childhood thought process. So I, I guess I've always had a bit of a like creative side. Like you know, at, as a little little kid, loved making stuff out of Legos and you know all that crap. And then I guess in junior high, I kind of like won the like industrial arts award, like the shop award, but never really cool. like pursued it like it was going to be a career. Right and never had never done anything in metalwork until literally until five years ago and thought, Hey, let's try this. And my wife thought it was oh, that's crazy, crazy. to burn the house down, but um, yeah. And then I don't know for, from there it was like, I'm, I am YouTube taught on everything, which is, mm-hmm. was a natural progression to start a YouTube channel. Um, but learned how to weld. The first thing I did was learn how to weld because I knew I needed, I wanted to build my own forge. So I knew I needed to know how to weld. And I wanted to go through making a lot of my own, like I, I made my first forge. Then, nice. then figured out, and I think that's important for people. Like if you're going to get a knife, yes, you can buy one of the cheapo forges on Amazon. And that's a totally fine way to go. But you won't really understand how a forge works. Yeah. Um, when you make one, you'll know how, like, and I made the burners and everything. Like, you know, you you yeah. understand how those things work. Much better understanding for sure. Yeah. So I, you know, and I, I built my first forge and then I, I think I did what a lot of people do. I bought like a cheapo grinder, sander, whatever. And, okay. uh, that sucked. And then built a two by 72, my own, like literally saw, oh yeah, that's how you do it. And like, just made one. Obviously, it didn't go. Another YouTube video kind of thing. Yeah, of course, of course. Dug up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that did me really well. That two by seventy two, and then wanted a the horizontal one. And then by then, I was like, mm. screw it, I'll just buy a broadback and yeah, and uh, went through that. But I mean, I bought. I mean, I built my hydraulic press, and you know, a lot of the tools. So I'm I'm a big fan of building a lot of things that you can. I built a tire hammer actually. Nice. Before, before I built my press, having yeah. naive and not understanding how loud it was going to be. Yeah. And I live in a neighborhood. <laughs> like, there's a house 25 feet from, like, my garage. Are you um, in an attached garage or detached? Attached garage. To oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, and it was, like, vibrating the foundation in the house like oh yeah the, the second oh, wow. i turned it on my wife was like what the hell are you doing <laughs> uh, and uh so i sold it a week later and then 
Um, use the proceeds and then I built the press, which is much more functional for me in the neighborhood. But after using a bit 155 pound big blue a couple of weeks ago, I tell you, that is a nice mm. machine. I would like to have one. Yeah. Mm. Where was yeah, that? That was at my buddy Rick's place in, in, in Reno. Okay. So we did we did the collab at his place and he's got both press and a and a big blue hammer. Yeah. One fifty. How far wow. if I drive is that for you? Uh, did you drive or fly? Well dr- drive. It's about four hours for me. So beautiful drive though, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And it was it was pretty nice. Yeah. Uh, it's that area of the United States is absolutely phenomenal landscape. I, whew, that's an area I could find myself falling in love with, you know, around Big Bear, North Star and those mountain area ranges, San Francisco, like, oh man, that's some, Hey, speaking of San Francisco, you mentioned something about Malachi being uh, under some sort of group that you run. Well, I'm, I wouldn't say I run it, but I'm um, one of the people that help organize it. That's the NorCal Knife Makers Group and uh, Northern California Knife Makers Group. And uh, we had a, I wouldn't call it, it wasn't a hammering. It was just a get together. Uh, We had like eight or 10 guys come to my, my shop and, you know, bring your knives. And it was just a chit chat session. We had some barbecue and and hung out. Yeah. Malachi was there. Nice. uh, He he has some, he has really nice stuff. He has really nice knives. Smart freaking kid too, eh? Yeah, yeah. Like wow. And you, you know, you, you know the whole deal. You're talking to someone on the internet. You have no idea how old they are, and you know, <laughs> and, get, and I'm like, this kid shows up. I'm like, there's no way this kid's making right. <laughs> like really clean, like beautiful knives. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it was good, and it's it's always good to you know knife makers get together, hang around, talk about knives. So it was fun. Cool. What other, uh, or how long has that group been going on for now? Um, I mean, it started as an Instagram group, but Instagram groups only, you can only have like 30 people in the group. So we kind of outgrew it. So we moved it to discord. It's really just a discord chat. Oh yeah. Um, we, we tried Facebook, but there's some guys that are like violently opposed to Facebook or whatever. So uh, we kept it on discord. So yeah, it's, it's been going a year and a half, something like that. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah, like 40, 40, 50 people in it, maybe. You have any involvement with the California Blacksmith Association? No, I mean, because I, I don't do, I don't, I don't do a lot of blacksmithing stuff. Um, so yeah, I've never, um, yeah, I don't have really have any relation with those guys. Uh, there's, a, I didn't even think there was that many blacksmiths in California. It's hard enough to find knife makers in California. Oh, that's a huge group, dude. It's the really? biggest one. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Where like, is where they central like is it is it located like central California? Where is it? Good question. I don't know uh Mark, where Mark Asprey is. Where is that? Is it Sacramento? Yeah, I'm not too hmm. sure. I have no idea. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's like an hour from me. That's not too bad. I just remember yeah. the numbers of their association was superior to all the blacksmiths in Canada. Oh, if I recall correctly, all the blacksmiths in Canada put together. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Well, the blacksmiths I can understand for California because there's so much ranching and, you know, the 
right. the American West, you know, that was here. Um, so I, that I can understand. It's the whole, like, ni- there's not a lot of knife making. Like, if you just look at, like, J- um, JS and ABS Mastersmiths, there's, right. there's like four in California Mastersmiths. At all? Really? Pretty much. Hmm. Crazy. Like my, Michael Questenberry is probably the closest to me at about two and a half hours away. And then Michael Vagnino is like the, the one that I went through is like three hours from me. So, and then there's a couple in LA and that's, I mean, maybe, maybe six in the whole state. Crazy. But, and you are at this point, an ABS journeyman. Yeah, I'm a journeyman. I, I, I passed my journeyman in June at Blade. Okay. Congratulations, bud. Thank you. That was uh, very stressful. <laughs> yeah. 40, 45 guys standing outside that, uh, that room all waiting for the judges was oh, shit. one of the most stressful <laughs> things I've ever done. That was, uh, Niels was part of that too, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He was doing his master there. We, we, we all figured he was going to pass. And not only did he pass, he got the <laughs> award for top master. So no way. Hey, go figure. Master. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's amazing. I love his stuff. Indeed. Yeah, but I was there. Like Will Stelter was in that class. Um, uh, Curtis Halland, uh, um, James at Wasteland Forge, myself, Rick. There was a whole. There, there was a lot of a lot of people in that James uh, got his, uh, class. James has got his journeyman as well. Yeah. Sweet Good for him, man. It's uh not really tight on the uh, loop of all that kind of stuff in the knife knife world there it's uh i gravitate more, more to blacksmithing than i do knife making but i'm still stoked for all this uh, knife making stuff maybe one of these days i'll well, apparently i'm a bladesmith now because i've sold a knife once before eh? yeah. way to go you don't even need to sell it you just need to make one then you're oh, a bladesmith. Okay. <laughs> been a bladesmith for years and apparently uh blade show if you if you guys have never been a blade show that is a super fun time yeah. uh just you, you make more connections there than i mean if you're a knife maker you're you're there for the camaraderie and the hanging out at the pit drinking and you know i'd like that i i need to get out there once yeah man you should for sure yeah yeah yeah, Lawrence came for the whirlwind. Uh, like I think he was there for eight hours. Flew in, <laughs> oh, was man. it played for eight hours, and then left like four a.m. the next morning or something crazy. Oh my god, sounds yeah. about <laughs> right for Lawrence. Man, how to get back to work? Right. Yeah, I think he's yeah. on vacation right now down down he in is Mexico. Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to be there next week. So, uh, oh no way! Oh sweet, different place. Sweet. But... Oh, d- nice. Ah oh, man, I would love to go on a trip somewhere hot this uh, this winter. Not happening though. No, you're not on a plane right now. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. Ah, I could fake it till I make it. Hide my coughs. You know, why do you look like shit? It's uh, it's just my resting bitch face. <laughs> so what's new with you guys in the shops uh, this week? Oh my, Ooh, Linden, yeah. I've been playing with my hydraulic press, pushed out some uh, texturing on, uh, moved up to one and a quarter inch solid round bar and textured it like it was butter. So I'm pretty happy on that. But getting into that, I'm kind of like, I've I've been talking to somebody else about moving forward into doing hollow form and being able to texturize it, but not by not squishing down the form, right? 
So I was talking to Chris Dixon about that. Actually, he was really impressed with my for, uh, Forge press, and he was like, "Show me your your press. I want to build one just like it. I really like how it's built." And blah 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 blah. So we chatted for a little bit, went over everything, and then got into talking about this uh, doing you know hollow tubing and putting texturing on hollow tubing. And I'm kind of gravitating towards trying to fill it with sand because I know that's a way you can get away with bending tubing really nicely. Mm. It helps hold its shape by doing that. So I'm thinking that by doing that with forging, I might be able to get... The only thing I worry about is the expansion in the sand, the heat from the expanding. The so. air in the sand? Yeah. Yeah. So I'd have hmm. to drill an air hole or something, I would guess, in order to let air relieve. Like, you're going to have to cap the end so the sand doesn't just fall out, right? And what temperature does sand melt? Like, I, I have no idea. Like, it's I watch... Like- blown away like on netflix and that's that's as much as i know or something yeah oh yeah so yeah, yeah. so you could sand is flux <laughs> oh right uh yeah. yes that's right yeah and it depends so on the quality of a, sand too right a right. vessel yeah, of glass inside your tube well that's the thing you want to stay away from using like high silica sand if you can you want to get something that's more pebble uh no, you want to move into doing um using like cement sand, premix oh. for cement because mm. it's very pebbly. It's not high silica content. It still has silica content in it, but what you want to avoid using is something like sandblasting sand that is pure silica. Makes sense. And Document there's also molten. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And there's also the... never get it out. You're not. Yeah. You're not forging shape at yeah forge welding temperatures right so i might hit forge welding temperatures by accident occasionally when i've got a piece in there resting but yeah that's just be careful about doing that so so what what kind of texture are you putting on these uh it's like a bark texture so essentially what i did is i took two blocks of s7 i put a little bit of a rounding uh shape into the bottom and the top one or whatever however you made i made a spring swage out of them and then in the round recess, like imagine a pipe being able to fit between two blocks and yep. you, you took okay. away some material for the pipe to fit in there nicely. Then I took an angle grinder with a cutting disc and I cut slots in the, uh, into the F7 blocks so that as it pressed down, presses down on the piece, those, uh, hot, those, that hot steel goes into the recesses of, of slots, right? I feel like I'm talking like absolute shit all of a sudden. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, yeah, so it's you kind of have to do it in sections and you move down and sometimes you overlap them a little bit and maybe sometimes you don't put it in there absolutely perfect so you pinch the edge a little bit to give you some extra dimensioning and detail or whatnot there. And afterwards, it's all said and done. What I want to look at starting to do after it's all textured is start doing um, drilling holes in it so that I can do joinery on it and make legs off of handrail. it so I can make a handrail, right? Mm. Very cool. collar tenon through it and then just rivet the top mm-hmm. of it down on the bar i guess i could try to punch and drift to give myself some more dimension on the bar but i think it would kind of might take away a little bit from just keeping it a solid bar i don't know what do you think got experiment with it that's what she said she so, did indeed. 
So as blacksmiths, like, what are you guys making the most? Like, what's the biggest demand as a blacksmith? Like, is it railings? Like, what are you guys making? Oh, well, considering I'm not like a full-time blacksmith, it's hard for me to really say what becomes the hot ticket thing. I mean, railings and gates are definitely up there. That's for sure. If you're into the blacksmithing community, but you also get into doing just like weird, like window closeout panels, um, door handles, handles for, for cabinetry, stuff like that. Little sculptures is a huge one in the blacksmithing industry. You get into doing like garden art or interior art, wall hangings and stuff like that. There's a lot of, you know, really interesting stuff you can do in that aspect. Uh, it's uh, it's all over the place. And then you, you dabble in knife making on top of it too, right? It's really comes down to I, I guess what it depends you like what you to become do. known for. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, yeah, that's what you like to do. And if you put your efforts towards that, then that's what you're going to get known for doing. And that's what you'll do. So you guys mentioned uh, artistic blacksmith. Do you know Leah? I'm going to butcher her last name. Uh, AV Black? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Yes. All the alien sculptures. Yeah. She's yeah. About 30 oh, minutes from me. No. no way. Uh, she's, she's super cool, dude, with what yeah. she does. I, it is so clean man she must spend so much time cleaning that up when she's done doing the main you know yeah she does say she loves grinding so uh i think yeah. she does a lot of it on those they're they're clean so it's, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm gonna go over to her shop in feb we're gonna have a little uh you know show and tell at her shop and we'll do a video on it in feb that should be fun oh that'll awesome. be cool that'll be cool I was always something that I I never really understood before. When it, before I got into blacksmithing, I always looked at stuff like what Leah does, and it's like, would you just take like a big solid bar and take the grinder to it and start shaping? Like, holy crap, man! And my understanding, she's actually kind of new to the blacksmithing world. That prior to getting into blacksmithing, all of it was welding and shaping via torch and whatnot. And I think she still does like most of her pieces are like little pieces put together and welded. And like, I don't right. know she's doing a lot of subtractive, like start with a big block, like a sculptor, <laughs> um, but incredible style. And I love aliens, like the show. And it always, oh, yeah. always so reminds me of aliens. Um, of course, cause all her stuff is rooted in that, I think, but a lot of it anyway, but. Cool stuff. And I, I want to do a collab with her. I'd love for her to make a, like a stand for one of my knives at some point. Dude, if she oh, shaped yeah. like the, what do you, the hilt, the bottom into like a crazy alien face. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Or either that or just like a stand. Like she did a stand for Seth uh, and I don't remember his last name. He won, uh, they won best collab at Blade and she did like an alien oh. stand for a knife and he did the knife. It was very cool. Hmm. Yeah. But Hmm. She was at Maker Camp in uh, in October, and we got to hang with her a lot. Um, she was making her first Damascus at uh, Maker Camp with uh, Joshua Prince. Oh, cool. oh, yeah, he's he's another guy that's out there. Wow, yeah, amazing, amazing work. Stuff. Yeah, amazing stuff. Is that that uh, Catskills Maker Camp? Is that the one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's such a cool sounding event, man. Damn. So many cool events down in the States. We don't get that stuff up here. It was fun. It, honestly, it was really fun because um, I got to hang with Lawrence uh, all weekend. Uh, we were in the, the Broadbeck tent. And uh, that's that's where they're 
their broadback uh, maritime knife supply. Uh, that's uh, where it started, eh? That's where it started. Yeah. But oh. um, it was like eight o'clock at night. And we're all like, "Hey, let let's forge some knives." And uh, you know, there's a 250 pound anvil there, a coal iron works, 25 ton press. So we're like, "Oh, you know, let's let's we were up to eleven just forging something like in the oh, tent. It was yeah. awesome." Super awesome. Can't do that at Blade Show for sure. Yeah, well, that's no. the beauty of Hammerins. That's what we had the Hammerin while we Justin. He uh, helped host the Hammerin this summer with Sean Van Bessler through the Manitoba Blacksmith Guild. And it was good, dude. And it went, started early in the morning. And we were, what time did I leave? 11? Somewhere around there. Yeah. 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 I've that never I been to a Hammerin, so I don't, I don't know what to expect on those. It's, yeah, uh, it could be. A variety of different things. Yeah. I know, like, we had one of our executives was like, no, no, we need to do classes so that people can, like, get as much knowledge from the event as possible. And then we had done one of those. And then on the last one, we kind of flipped it and said, no, let's just do one class. And then open forge time, people are going to want to, like, bond and hammer stuff. That and open forge both, time was nice. Both are great formats. Um, but I did prefer the the, la- the later where there's an yeah. open forge time. You've been at one out in at Derek Foster's, haven't you? It was the same idea at his, right? Yeah, open forge time. Yeah, yeah. In the well, morning and then we had Tyler Dyes come out from Saskatchewan, and right. he was showing us joinery. So that was that was fabulous. I appreciated that a lot. I can give you. Uh, me and Nick need to get together and do a joinery demo. This is how you roll it. it. This is how you light it. This is how you smoke it. <laughs> Token Tobin. My buddy. Right. Me and him have been chatting a little bit. Actually, we chat like probably daily, dude. Me and him send messages back and forth with each other. He's a keeps me he keeps me happy. Right? Fuck yeah. Yeah, pickle. Fuck yeah. yeah. He's every time what? he goes live, he's uh Rolling a doobie yeah, or smoking uh, one, yeah, a doobie as he as he calls him. Uh, <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> I'm smoking a doobie. <laughs> yeah, he was he was fun to hang out with a blade too. It was uh, first time I'd met him, and yeah, he's a cool dude. Okay, yeah. so he sends me a video of a hot dog sliding into a bun, and then it goes to a guy saying. Where do I get that bun? And then it goes to a girl saying they're wrong to want the other one. And it's just like shit like that that he sends me all the time that just kind of like silly, goofy stuff that puts a fucking smile on your face. I don't know. I love it. That's he, probably he's, not. He's the king of the Facebook memes, too. Every day there's like, I don't know when he has time to do all this. Every day there's like 15 posts from Pickle on Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Yep. He's on there well, lots, man. Okay, so he's posting a lot of content. You're posting a ton of content too. How do you manage to keep up with this? You said it was like a, a machine that needed to be fed or a beef that needed to be fed. How do you how do you schedule it in so that you can maintain it? So I mean, at first, like everyone thinks, oh, it's really hard. How do you come up with ideas? There's, you know, usually I'm, uh, you know, every once in a while I'll sit down and like write out ideas. But now 
it's like, oh yeah, I need to do this. And then I, I started like the series, like I'll do a beginner series. And then every week I just add a little piece of the beginner series. And then I did an intermediate okay. series. And then I did the Damascus series. And the only problem with the Damascus series, and now I have like, you know, six billets of Damascus that I haven't made knives out of. Um, and I, you know, so that's kind of throwing me off because I'm used to it. It sounds terrible, terrible conundrum to be in. No, but I want to use them because, yeah. But I, I, so I usually have that. And then of course, now I'm getting, you know, the channel's big enough. I'm getting, you know, like the free stuff sent to me to review and stuff like that. So I throw in those every once in a while. Um, I used to for um, about nine months, I had a build video every week and a Thursday video every week. And that was like killing me for a while. So after nine months, I'm like, I can't do it. Like I (laughs) I don't know, maybe it was six months. Like I just can't do it. And then I cut back the build videos because I took a bunch of polls. Most people don't want to watch the parts. And right. You know, I, I spend a lot of time like going over analytics in, in, YouTube and figuring out what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, I won't go, I won't bore you guys with like, you, I like that shit. So yeah, no, did I do and all of it? Yeah. Cause I, there's things I don't get about it, man. It just doesn't make sense. So when you, when you put a video on YouTube, the first thing they do is they will sample your audience, your subscribers. They'll start for the first, whatever, four hours. They'll start pushing it out to your subscribers. Not everybody. Just they'll mm-hmm. start sampling it. And if your subscribers respond well, then they'll keep pushing it. And I, there is like an inflection point that you, that I've seen in a video when the, when the click-through rate, because usually it'll be pretty high for your subscribers, and then it'll start to come down as they push it out. Mm-hmm. As soon as that crosses like the 2.5% mark, that's when YouTube will be, okay, this isn't as interesting. I'm going to stop pushing it as right. much. Okay, but that first four to six hours is critical. So the problem with the part videos is only your subscribers are usually, they're watching the part videos and then you put, okay, and then I'll just put out the full video. But then your subscribers have already watched the parts. So they don't want to watch the full video. So then the full video, build video doesn't do very well. So that's why I stopped doing this, like putting out the part videos and then releasing the full, just you're you're shooting yourself in the foot because... Mm -hmm just the way the algorithm works. So you're happy with the trailer. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not just a trailer. You released all the parts and then there's the full video that you kind of want. You want oh, to okay, I see what you're saying. Right. So a lot of people will do that. And I've tried to tell them it's a bad idea. You, you're, you're not, you're not, you know, unless you're Alex Steele, you know, and you've already got millions of subscribers, hmm. even then, you know, it gets tiresome watching 14 parts of a video. Yeah, like I, I, I totally should, agree. You know, he's big enough now. He should do them once a month or something, or once every month and a half, and do an actual end-to-end build video. A good one to get more yeah, more viewers than chopping yeah. it up. But so I've learned a lot about YouTube and you know what what works, what doesn't work. Um, I like to relate to the audience. I still the surprise people. I still personally answer every single comment. Um, even in the language that it was asked in. Um, and I think that's important. And there's a lot of like YouTube and I'm not saying like, this is the only way, but it works for me. I like to connect with the audience. I like to answer questions. I like to be there. 
responding to the audience. It's not just like, you know, the videos where there's no talking, there's no, yes, you're going to, you, you have a wider net because you can get people in China and Indonesia and all that, that don't want to, you know, don't want to hear a voice that isn't right. another language, but you know, there, there's some other business aspects. You get much less in ads uh, from mm. India. Like you'll get 65 cents per thousand views for ad revenue in India. In you'll India. get, yeah, you'll get like eight bucks in the U S. Oh, crazy. Right. Oh. So your U.S. viewers are in and I'm in Canada and and you per thousand. Are, you say thousand views. Yeah, per thousand. Damn, are much Damn. more much more valuable than some yeah. of like you know Asia, India. They just they don't get as much for average revenue. So that you got to think about it as well. Like, are you just going for numbers? Or are you actually going to make money? Man, sure. I kind of kicking myself a little bit because I had YouTube reached out to me and offered me a monetization thing when one of my skateboarding videos hit 50,000 views. And mm. I thought, I don't want, I don't want to be bothered with having to put in the effort to keeping up a YouTube channel and stuff like that. So I just ignored it essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Free money. I, would, would it still exist at this point? Yeah. I wonder. In fact, you would, and what people forget is you still make money. Like it's like, the residuals that people make from, you know, doing commercial work or something like that, you, you're still getting, mm -hmm. people are still watching my old videos. Yeah. Do you have to claim that on your taxes? Oh, yeah. You do, eh? Google reports it, so you have to claim it. Okay. I was wondering about that because, so, um, for YouTube, do you have to put in, like, your GST number or something then to have all that work or? Yeah. You, well, I don't know what in Canada, but in the U.S., yeah, you're putting in your your either your social security number or your tax id if you have a business which i do okay okay um yeah you're you have to have that or you gotta be legit sign up for monetization oh, i wonder what happens if how that works if you don't have a business if it's you, you, know, you would just use your, your your social insurance number yeah yeah sin huh yeah interesting oh hmm. you're on so the monetization you... side justin what's that are you on the monetization side or no, no, not yet. Not I'm sub sub one thousand uh, followers or subscribers. So yeah, you need a thousand yeah. subscribers and four thousand watch hours. Okay, so oh, that's I'll have different the than how I uh... I got a hundred thousand watch hours right now. Yeah, Ooh, no, it was a hundred thousand views. So more okay, that watch hours matter. than that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I wonder how that worked. Well, this was a long time ago. That was in 2010 that I got that offer, and it was based off of just the fact that I had I didn't have a lot of subscribers on that channel. Yeah, well, but 10 years changed. ago was different. They added the, um, the watch hours. I should have just fucking took it when it got offered to me. Yeah, you should have. <laughs> uh, this is what don't sleep on opportunities, right? When an opportunity presents itself, freaking jump all over it. Gary V will tell you all about that one, right? You uh, go ahead. Sorry. You, you do you find uh, inspiration from anybody like Gary V that pushes you to work as hard as you do, or where do you find your inspiration for that comes from? Um, yeah, I mean other, you know, other YouTubers and stuff that I see, like things that I want to, like oh, I want to, I I want to get to a million. I want to get first. It was a hundred thousand, and now it's like half a million. Then I want to get to a million. So I have my own personal mm -hmm. goals, but you know. I talked to Brian um, 
pretty regularly and I, I know they work for it guys pretty well. Yeah. Um, Brian and Brian and Ben and stuff. So those guys, yeah, they, they inspire me to, you know, to, you know, do this, Keep make hustling. this more of a business and less of a, a hobby. Um, so that's, that's part of my goals as well. So retire in a yeah. couple of years and I'll be doing this full time. Funny, funny you say that. Well, again, here we go. Funny we say that. Huge love for Brian House as well, man. The guy's given me a lot of love. He's been there for many chats in the past. And the way he's spoken about me on his podcast, talking about how I'm a, apparently I'm a good person and I do good things and stuff. And it's just like, you know, that, that feels feels good to hear that kind of shit. And it pushes me to Heck want yeah. to work harder and do better, right? So Yeah, he's a good dude. We, we met at Blade last year. Um right when the first challenge was starting, like we had just launched mm-hmm. the first challenge. And back then he had like, it was like, you know, he had like 45,000 subscribers and I was at like 2,500. Like I was at nobody. And, you know, it, it was like, it was really weird back then. And I still think the whole growth in the last year has been surreal. Um, yeah. Cause I still feel like the same guy yet, you know, everyone seems to know me or whatever. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help the guys that are at the 1000, 2000, you know, YouTube level and Brian treats everyone the same. It doesn't matter. So do you, there's, okay. So there's something about that though, because I think it takes a certain person to become that, you know, high, high subscriber person. And that the help you get from the community is a huge part of that. You know, Brian giving you the hand, you giving other people the hand, what do you think it is that you see in the people that you gravitate towards giving help? Is there's, there's gotta be something, whether it's their enthusiasm, just, you know, they're a, a bright, they've, they, they've got the brains for it or something, or they just, they're just a happy person and you're happy to work with them. What do you think it is? Uh, I, I don't know. The word passion just kind of like Brian has a passion for what he does and just, like the entrepreneurship, like I never really thought of like owning my own business and thought that would be, you know, just something that scared me. And now like I, I listen, I get little tidbits like from that show, like, Oh, you're, mm-hmm. you're ad- the stuff you spend on advertising is promotional stuff. Like you can just totally like reduce your, like your taxes, some like us tax stuff. Right. That blew me away too. That was an awesome tip. I was like, oh man, all those Christmas presents I just sent out, I'm going to keep track of those. Um, <laughs> like all that kind of stuff, right? And yeah. just, you know, just be, being willing to share that kind of thing. And even in like, you think of the knife making community, like that wanting to help each other. Like, if you think about it, we're all competing. We're all doing the same yeah. thing. We're all, we're all working against the same buyers, yet the the community still wants to help someone learn to make a knife. You'd think they'd be like, Oh no, I don't want to teach that guy. Cause then he's going to compete with me. Uh, but it, it's a weird it's a, kind of, it's kind of the same in the welding world, man. There's not enough of us. That's the problem. The, there's the work is there. People in the knife making community, people in the welding community are constantly having to churn work down because they're too busy on a certain spectrum. There's obviously people that are hungry for the work, but you know, there's, give or take with that as to, you know, the type of person they are and the work that they put in or the effort that they put into their business. Right. But in the trades, man, like over the last, even now that we're in a crazy recession, there's still hunger for people to make things, to have things in your hand, 
fully finished made by a professional. Yeah. I, I mean, I turn away work mainly I'm still, I'm still a hobbyist. So I, I don't take custom orders once in a while. Like I'll take a commission once in a while, if it's mm-hmm. a good video that like I've had at least and 90% of them are probably tire kickers, but I've had at least a thousand people ask me to remake that Katana. Oh uh, yeah. Like, I don't want it looks to make ridiculous. over and over. Uh, yeah. Or the whatever, mm. pick a build. Like, oh, I want you to make the, the K-bars or something that, you know, I, I don't want to do it. I want to, you know, maybe I'm a prissy artist, but I, I want to make new <laughs> stuff all the time. And I don't want to remake my old stuff. Well, well you have sure, limited man. time as well. You're, like, trying to manage the YouTube channel, <sighs> trying to figure out what's your next build, your next Triple T Thursday actual work work so yeah how do you take all these commissions yeah yeah (laughs) i I don't want to be rude but do you mind me asking how old you are i will wait yeah i'm 52 i was like am i 51 or 52 (laughs) you're you're still on the you're still on the you know lots of years ahead of you to get this done dude that's awesome man well um, i plan on being retired from the high tech by 55 Nice. And then, and then doing this, you know, full time and, you know. High five. Yeah, that, that'd be fun. Fuck yeah. So Great success. Talk about Great Brian. Success. I, we we got to get into these uh-ohs because mine is all about Brian and uh, oh. uh, well, revolution. okay. Before we jump into that, the reason I was asking those questions about the type of person it takes, the enthusiasm, being part of the community and all that jazz is – One of the things that I've seen a lot of good stuff come from Hustle and Grind podcast is fucking killing it, man. They are doing such a good job with their podcast right now. Noah Bloomberg has just, him and uh, Ryan have just, dude, they are doing an excellent job. A little bit of a bumpy road off the start for them to get used to working with each other, I think maybe what it was, but fuck yeah, good job, guys. It's only because they gave me a shout out and said good things about me. (laughs) I'll actually be on the hustle and grind uh, on Friday. Nice, awesome. Comes out Friday, yeah. Oh, crazy! We're dropping uh, dropping Dennis Tyrell episodes at the same time. We're gonna have right. to drop this like ASAP then. <laughs> Beat them to the punch. Yeah, I've got two episodes that, because we sat down with what's his name now? Shoot, as if I'm dr- Kevin Stone. As if I just draw it a blank. I was looking forward to this chat so damn much and we had a wicked chat with him the guy's got so much good information man so i've got two episodes that i'm gonna have to freaking put out and i don't know which one to put out first i'm like now i'm freaking like oh man just put them out at the same time (laughs) you know oh double it up like yeah but dennis you're releasing you're releasing your video this up yeah my video releases saturday morning at uh 9 a.m eastern so 6 a.m pacific So are you okay if I drop this like tomorrow then? Yeah. When yeah. Oh, sweet, do it. Sweet. That's a great idea. And I think I will. So tell us about Brian House and his debacle, his oh, debauchery. It's not his debacle. It's entirely mine. Okay. So I, I figured you guys asked me for like an uh-oh. So here we go. I'm hanging myself here. So I reached out to Brian and said, Okay, I'm ready. I need another grinder because I'm starting to teach classes and 
I want to move into, I already teach Damascus, Damascus classes. I want to move into right. maybe some beginner classes. So I need another grinder. I need another anvil, that kind of thing. So I said, you know, I need, I want a gen five because I'm lazy and I don't want to spend so much time on the gen four. So send me um, the gen five and, and I paid for it. It's not like he didn't, you know, I paid for it. And uh, so he sent it to me and um, I am, I watched his video twice and then I'm following along. And then I, I get to the point where I'm, I'm almost ready to put the wheels on it. And then I look at the grinder and I have put the motor plate on the wrong side, on the wrong side. So oh, no, the thing flips, like instead of down and to the right, <laughs> it flips it down into the, the left and the belt would be on the other side. <laughs> Sorry, it flips down. It flips down to the right. So the belt yeah. would be on the. And I've already plug welded the, oh. the I can't even, I can't oh. even uh, cut the welds oh. off. Yeah. Plug welds are so hard to get rid of, man. Uh, Die grinder. No Die grinder. That's the only oh. way. Yeah, I know. Dude, I've hours. had, I've had to do, dude, I've had to do so much of that kind of work in my life, man. Being a welder, having to oh. cut out a failed part and die grind it open and be super careful not to hit the parent material so that I can redo the weld for freaking x-rays. Dude. Oh. So yeah, man. <laughs> Brian was gracious enough um, to send me, or he is sending me the motor plate and the two receivers so that I can, you Swap know, it out. fix it, throw the other ones away, and put them in like the, whatever the wall of shame. <sighs> and uh, he can razz me and make fun of me as much as he wants. But <laughs> that, I was, believe me, there were some swear words coming out of my shop last night when I was doing that. Oh, yeah. And I, I have it on video. Well, <laughs> I might have turned the video off at that point because it was Sorry, the, getting hectic. Yeah. Well, plus, there's no way I could have aired that many swear words. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was not happy. And I was I was like, OK, I'm ready to wire up the, you know, put the wheels on, wire up the VFD. Man, I was so pissed. Fuck. Damn. <laughs> I, I did a similar thing with mine, actually. And not in a detrimental way necessarily, but I welded the posts too close together compared to what the print calls for. But it does absolutely nothing as far as the function of the machine goes, so I wasn't too worried about it. Yeah, see, the the, the Gen 5 has got holes. You can't screw it up. You just slide them into the holes and then weld them. But well, I, I, I bought the plans, the blueprints from... I actually... Oh, I see. I see what you mean. I didn't even buy the plans. Brian was nice enough to send them to me as a uh, as a thank you. And uh, yeah, I just, I cut out all the parts myself and there was a lot of stuff where I was just like, eh, this doesn't really need this little bit of extra detail to it. Like the, uh, what is it? The, uh, platen holder. It doesn't necessarily need all those holes drilled in it. Just be a flat oh, plate. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you, you know, so I saved myself the time. Yeah. But that's probably like gen two or something. Uh, gen four. Gen four. Oh, yep. Did you rebuild the stuff that you had made with? Uh, I don't even know who you made it with. Myself. Oh, already. I made it by myself. I made Lando made it with Lando. Lando and Lando. Yeah, his best friend. Pretty much. <laughs> you know, it's like fishing. I'm really good at uh, a certain aspect of it. Usually, got to do with putting the bait on the hook. I'm a master of doing that. <laughs> Okay, you got me that one. <laughs> yes, yeah, so 
That was my big screw up. Uh, it was, uh, uh oh, it wasn't that fun, hey. but yeah, take your time and make sure you're putting it together right, hey? Right. And well, the thing is, I have it's not like I don't have a grinder and I know how they go together, but it's one of those like not seeing the trees for the forest kind of thing or the forest for the trees, whatever that saying goes. Maybe but, working a little bit tired or something. Well, I, I wasn't like. I'm following instructions instead of looking at the build and making uh-huh. sure it makes sense. Yep. Right? Because I certainly know how the grinder looks and how it works. I have a broadback that folds the same way. <laughs> I, I drilled a, a, a large hole in the completely wrong side of one of the posts, actually, and that kind of screwed things up because I ended up having to fill it with weld. If you So if you ever do something like that, this is a hot tip for our listeners. If you drill a hole and you're like uh oh that's not where i wanted a hole or oh it's it's a little bit off to the side or oh i made too big of a hole take a piece of copper clamp it to the back side of that hole and then fill the hole with hole with weld the weld won't adhere to the copper and you'll be able to plug weld the hole that hole up that way yeah, that's a good idea little welder's trick there uh well i was gonna ask justin what his uh uh oh was but uh he just he ran away he's like i'm avoiding this as best as i can here so there he goes uh what's yours me jeez which one do you want to take uh the worst one worst mistake i've ever made in my life probably no i meant this week oh just this week okay (laughs) okay yeah i was gonna that's dude you're gonna hear some freaking dicey shit here uh just this week let's see what's uh one of the mistakes i've made uh you know i got excited with my hydraulic press and i'm using it before it's ready once again like i did with my old one and ended up wrecking it but i'm wrecking it in a different way this time than i did the the last hydraulic press build i did i ended up bending the ram because i didn't have guides put in place yet and i like as soon as i started running it i was like oh this is so cool i just gotta see how it squishes and i squished a couple pieces of steel i was like oh this is so fun and it works i just want to keep going and i went out all night and ended up bending the shaft of the ram so um back to the drawing boards after that happened and rebuilt a rebuilt the press while i was going to rebuild the press and i went and bought myself a big 50 ton style ram for my large frame and when i built the frame i built it to fit a four inch bore not a five inch bore ram the five inch bore ram doesn't fit in the head of it so now i've got to go back to the drawing board and look at maybe making it so that the rams are underneath now instead and i was going to go a single ram on that unit but i'm looking at it now and i'm like dude you want the squeeze you want the juice freaking Double ram that shit, get a 10 horsepower motor going on this thing, 16 gallon per, uh, per minute mode or pump, and you'll be freaking laughing. The one that I built now, it's just got a little four inch bore ram on there and a three horsepower motor, and it squishes good. It's got good speed. But like I said, I got excited and I used it before I mounted die plates on it. Uh, or a way to mount my dies and i'm just using it with spring swage is just a one inch plate sliding down onto the spring swage and i've dented the living shit out of that one inch plate by doing that Mm. so now i've got a little bit of work ahead of me to grind that clean and you know it's not the end of the world it's just one of these things that dude why do you do this to yourself just freaking get it done 
the first time, you know, buy once, it's kind of the buy once, cry once, but for me, it's build it once and cry once instead of rebuilding, rebuilding, rebuilding and keep crying and crying. and cry. So yeah, that's. So if you're going to do two, two cylinders, two Rams, yep. the only, the only downside to that, because my buddy Rick has one yep. and it, he's got the combo die. So he's got flat die on one side and, you know, the, and the drawing die on the, on the other half. Right. Yeah. If he's always using the flat die, what happens is his dies will get because he's putting more pressure not I've, in the middle but on the side. So, but would that not happen on a single ram as well if you're using a flat die? No, because the die doesn't sit perfectly over top, so you're kind of still going to get some. No. Yeah, but you're you're. I don't. I don't on mine ever. Um, okay. But I also don't have a die that's that long. But. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just the way it's constructed, but I think for all the really good double um, uh, ram, double cylinder ones have like the control rods on them. That's I'm going to put the control rods in it too. I'm definitely looking at that. The, and honestly, the main reason I'm building this uh, press is for artistic purposes. This is not going to have any intention towards Damascus or anything like that. That's what the small one's for. It has okay. more than enough squeeze to do Damascus. What I want is this has got a 36-inch opening between the posts. If I put in the um, the guide bars, that'll take up an extra four inches because I want to use two-inch round for it. So I'll take up a little bit of more space on the end. And if I mount them as far as I can to the outside, should give me about 30 inches of clearance in the middle is my thoughts. And if I do that, then that gives me the ability to put like big freaking plates in there and do some like you know i could throw like a half inch plate in there and absolutely manipulate that living hell out of that thing into crazy shapes for sculpture work right do it do it ah. i want to see it done. <laughs> you had an issue with like the cylinder like whatever the uh, ram. cylinder or something how'd you what, what happened uh so uh, who knows what actually caused this, but my valve control started leaking. So I wasn't able to build up proper pressure because anytime I had to go for a squeeze, it would start leaking. And I didn't really notice it at first. It wasn't a crazy big leak, but that I not only was it leaking, but I think because of that leak, it was allowing air into the system as well, causing me a double conundrum, right? So I got rid of that valve control, put a new one on. Thank you, Princess Otto, for being freaking awesome and allowing me to return something from three years ago. <laughs> as long as you got the receipt, they're good about it, man. And I was straight up, yeah, it's got a leak. Uh, I, I bought a new one to replace it already, so we're good to go. And that was that. So, yeah, I replaced it with a much nicer one. It's way smoother controlling. The one that I started with had the kickback setting on it. And I oh, think that kickback setting was causing me a lot of issues because it would, like, it would lock almost, right? I don't know if that's what it's what supposed to do or whatever. You know, like a spring return, you mean? How it is supposed to work is beyond me. But... So I did some reading into it and the people that were using the same type of valve control were like, you need to take it apart and take the springs out of it so it doesn't catch in the detent. And so I did that, but it was still, it still locked up on me. If I went all the way up, it would, it would bind and the whole motor just go, and it's like, holy freaking, I'd go to pull the lever down and I'd actually have to give it a, a chug and you'd hear it like spring unload, like pow, and the ram would start coming down. It's like, holy fuck. Okay, Whoa. don't go all the way up. 
Oh yeah, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> no, it was kind of scary to be honest, and it's because no I'm not kidding. a hydraulic specialist. I'm like Jesus Christ, I'm gonna freaking kill myself. So, I, yeah. I, Rick had a story where he was what was he pressing? I forget, but he was pressing down on something, and it um, a piece of steel had come out and embedded itself in the wall. Um, yeah, on the other I've, side of his shop, right through the drywall. I've seen wow. something like that happen in my shop before. Don't use top tools on a hydraulic press, man. Right. Yeah. Unless you've got a <laughs> bolster or something underneath for it to drift into and not get bound up. The, mm. the height of your top tool cannot, you can't control it, man. Once you get some pressure on there, it's just going to want to ping and either take your face off or your buddy's face off, or maybe it'll just bust a hole in the window and you'll be lucky with that. Yeah, scary stuff. Even when you pinch, you pinch a little piece of Damascus. You know, you're you're trying to correct an angle, and you yeah. pinch it wrong. That's scary too, and that's yeah. just a loud bang. Yep. Justin, what's your uh oh this week? Uh oh. Yeah, you got an uh oh for us? Shoot, not Something somebody anything major. No, oh, no. all right. Well, nothing to learn from. I had a, a a lady reach out wanting a Christmas gift, and I said, "Well, time's running out, but like, I I think I could squeeze it in." She was like, "Oh, great. Okay. Well, how do we hmm. do this?" And I'm like, "Well, let me send you some pictures of my work, and you can look at that and kind of kind of tell me what you like, and I'll draw something up for you once you've decided, kind of." kind of knife you'd like or whatever okay so i sent her the, a bunch of pictures and she's like oh i really like this one okay well i'll draw it up so you're like with these little details that you want and uh get back to me and a day goes by another day goes by and i'm like holy shit time's like time is running out and then she reaches back and okay well these are the things that i'd like and blah 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 blah, blah and radio silence again and i'm like uh oh like what the hell is going on so finally get her a price so this week is kind of a mad rush to, to build this so yeah yeah it's going so far flawlessly um so hopefully it's not an oh but this whole like let me think about it and yeah well, leather kydak yeah well she kind of did for a couple days and i was like Okay, well, you know, it's probably for the best. <laughs> and then and all I of a sudden, I was like, oh, what do oh, I do? Shit. I kind of said I would do it. So, yeah. Yeah. I had that Viking Damascus spear that was a commission. Right. And I, I, I said to the guy, you know, we had talked about a price range. And I said to the guy, you know, you, you picked the price. He sent me what he thought. I'm like, I'm cool with that. And, uh, and I said, give me your address and I'll figure out the shipping. That was a month ago. So he's oh, totally shit. ghosted me oh, on that. So now it's up for sale on the website. So <laughs> I, this is the first time I've ever been ghosted like that, where yeah. build was completely done. And I never take deposits. I don't, because I know I'll sell it anyway, but yeah. I was really surprised. So first time mm. I've been ghosted on a, on a build like that. Yeah, I got payment in full for this one. I was like, yeah, <laughs> the way you're ghosting and coming back and ghosting, I want payment in full before I start this. So he sent nice. the cash. It's that's done. sweet. No. Well, that's good. Yeah, yeah. 
I I have this thing that if I'm if I take cash up front and then I have to build something, then I'm like, you know, I've already gotten paid for it. Like the I don't have that Dude, drive. That I just me. went through that. So Kevin Lazowski, Monashe Knife Company, I think is his Instagram, right? He ordered two roses from me. And he was like, what's your email? I'll send you the money right now. And it's like, no, 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 no. Don't send me the money now. Send it to me when I'm finished and then send me the money. Let me send you pictures of them and make sure you're happy before you give me money. I don't want to take the money unless I know you're actually happy with it. And he sent me the money anyways. And I was like, I'm not accepting the e-transfer. I just, I can't, dude. If I accept this e-transfer, I don't know if I'll actually get it done by Christmas time because my brain just goes all fucking weird like that. Yeah, it's, I hate getting paid for stuff up front. It's one of those things that I'd rather, you know, I just, I don't have the drive and the incentive to do it if I've already been paid for it. Yep. Yep. Weird thing, man. I got somebody else that wants a rose for Christmas time. And I was like, yeah, I should be able to do that. And now I'm sick. And it's like, and it's minus 40 and trying to heat the shop at minus 40 is like almost a no go. I have to have like three heaters going in there. Maybe I can get away with running the forge for some extra heat, but the ventilation just sucks in so much cold air. It's like, oh God, no point. I have the option to block off the area. (laughs) I've been thinking about that. I bet, yeah, for being in California. You ever add an air conditioner? Oh, they would never keep up. There was days when it was was 110 for a week. Oh, God. (laughs) Can you hear that? Sorry, the dogs. That's crazy. Um, No worries. uh, Yeah, the heat was driving me nuts. Couldn't do anything for like almost two weeks. Yep, I can imagine that. I mean, even that, I mean, Winnipeg doesn't see much higher than 40 degrees Celsius. And even at that, we usually, like, a, a day will get it here. Though. Yeah. yeah, we had feels like. Yeah, we had feels like yeah but 40. not like. I think, the, the I think we peaked at 36 this it. summer, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah this summer cool wasn't summer. too bad. Yeah. But, man, yeah, that's. One well, and but then last summer was dry out, so that heat didn't bother me, dude. I loved that summer, man. That was an oh, uh, dude. Th- that sweet. was this. That last summer sucked. It was short. It wasn't hot. There was tons of rain. I mean, yeah, we got a nice little spell at the end of the year, which was great for the fall time. But lucky, yeah, man. And now this weird weather pattern we're in of going to minus 40 to minus 3 to minus 40 to minus 3. And it's snow. Man, we're getting a lot of snow this year, too. It's kind of nice. I mean, <laughs> yeah, is it, it nice is. or isn't? I don't know. Man, I, I Send help, Dennis. This morning. <laughs> you what? Sorry? I had frost on my grass this morning. It was pretty cold. <laughs> I saw Ren and his... Uh, you remember Renan from Canarn? Yeah, he's yeah. down in, I think, Louisiana or something right now. And he was down on the grass taking pictures of the frost because he's never seen frost before in Brazil. Oh, my God. Exist, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got to send pictures back to my friends at home. <laughs> oh, boy. I invited him to Canada. I was like, you're more than welcome to come stay with me, buddy. I got a spare room. Would love to have you come stay with me. No, winter's too cold. Well, summer's, summer's great, too, here. So. 
nice place to start. When I first moved here, I thought it was funny because you talk to Californians, they'll talk to talk about snow as in like it's an event. They're going to go to the it's called the snow. They're going to go to the snow. We're going to drive to the snow this weekend. Like it's yeah, something I, you do and then you come home. <laughs> it's not I a fact wish. of life like the rest of us. <laughs> I wish I could do that, man. That'd be so amazing. I, and that's the beauty of where you are, man. You can drive like up into North Star, Big Bear at this time of the year snowboard all day long drive back down to you know la county area or whatever skateboard for a couple more hours go surfing at the same time if you want to there's just like the trifecta man is ah ah it's what every board enthusiast dreams of yeah i'm more under the water than uh than on it but oh you're into scuba diving yeah, I'm a, I'm a scuba instructor, actually. Oh, that's, that's so cool, the whole, man. The whole shark uh, theme comes from. How many hours you got under your belt doing that? Hours? Oh. Yeah. Or how many dives do you have? Sorry, that's the that's oh, the question. It's in, it's in the many hundreds. I, I don't know. I lost yeah. count. It, I, I, last time I looked, last time I was, I was logging dives, um, the running total was I've spent like – Three weeks underwater? Oh, crazy. Something like that. Wow. I'm not a big fan of water. Wake Justin's a big wakeboarder and Oh yeah. I don't know, I, man. It has to be hot for me. I to could put be the, the goggles on and just like just I'd go diving for hooks at the lake when I was a kid and just like wrap myself up in the fishing line and just start pulling at the bottom trying to bring stuff up. I I love being underwater. Yeah, huh. me, me too. When now I got into spear fishing, like oh, that's yes. cool, six or seven years ago. That was fun. So yeah. when you're spear fishing, I've always wondered about this because at my lake, I've gone out on the paddle board before, and I've seen big mouth that are like maybe six feet deep. And I'm like, dude, I wonder if I had a spear, if I could get one of these guys. Like, what would be the trick? Like, you don't want a spear into the water right you want the spear already in water and do a push job or what would be the trick no, you, you, you would normally have like the the hawaiian sling like a spear with a like rubber tubing on it and mm-hmm. then you wrap you're pulling it and then you're just going to let go that's i have one of those for for you know i also have a spear gun for halibut but for if i'm doing like like you're not allowed to spear fish in california in in freshwater you can only oh, yeah. know Gotcha. If, uh, if I'm doing like rockfish or something like that, then yeah, I'll use like a sling like that because they're quick. Huh. They're easier. They... Yeah. yeah. We, we were out camping probably like, uh, it's got to be like four or five years ago now. And we t- picked up a pool of suckers that were just playing in these rapids. Oh, yeah. And we're like, this is, this is awesome. Like free fish. Let's try spear fishing them. So we did yeah. exactly that. We had, we it, there's going to be bungees in the camp. So we grabbed some bungees and made one of these slings. And I always bring a bit of JD weld in case one of our canoes starts leaking or whatever, grab a nail, start sharpening it up on the rock. Then we tried and tried the scales on those fish are just like, you could flick a couple went off, but you can never penetrate. And then got home, told my wife, we're going back. This was with buddies. It's about seven, eight hours into the bush. Get home for two days. We're going back in a couple days. I'm making some spear tips in the garage. Grabbed some old files, made some tips. 
another seven hours back into the bush. <laughs> and then was, was it, there it totally involved? worked. <laughs> oh, there's always drinking involved with canoes. <laughs> Copious amounts of it, actually. <laughs> if you can't carry your weight in yeah. beer, you can't come. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you got a few? Did you eat them? You know, it. I had never caught a sucker before. I filleted oh, and filleted, and it was just they're riddled oh, with bones. So I felt so bad. Gross, dude. No, it was beautiful white flesh. Like it was pretty, just the mm. bone structure that I've never seen before in a fish. And I just didn't know how to deal with it. And I, I kept some a few small bites, but we ended up, or I ended up, just tossing it back into the river. But um, apparently, when you steam steam them and then just pick at them with uh, chopsticks. That's the way it'll go. Mm. Or mm. canning them. I've seen that before. But I've heard that the best that they're for is, is, is uh, compost in the garden. So that's what everybody back home used it for. Right. Yeah, that and carp. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's both there. Carp. You guys got a song choice for this week? Uh, I had to do some Canadian content. So I... Uh, one of my favorite songs, uh, and I'm older than you guys, so my, one of my favorite songs is an old, tragically hip song. Nice. Uh, Trickle mm. Down is one of my favorite songs. Oh, fuck yeah. That's a good song. Trickle Down is from their album Up to Here, I think, isn't it? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's... Uh, what is it from Road Apples? Um, um, uh... Wait, it's uh oh, it is up to here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. That was their their second album that they released. I, I was I'm I'm trying to get the the album cover in my head and uh... yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, damn good song, man. I've I've been brought up on the tragically hip man, so that that hits home right there, bud. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Christmas notation on this one, and I'm throwing up uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie, 12 Days of Christmas. (laughs) That's good, too. (laughs) So are you making, like, a playlist? There's a YouTube playlist. Yep. Yeah, there's a YouTube playlist. So uh, our listeners, if they want, they can go on to YouTube, look up the Forge Side Chat playlist, and that'll bring you into a conglomeration of songs that the hosts and uh, guests have chosen. Nice. Very much the same thing that the Forgecast has been doing for years now. And I've always thought it was one of the most amazing things. They had us on there and we got to pick a song. And it was just like, that's cool, dude. I like that. It makes you feel like way more connected with with them for some reason. I don't know why. It just feels very personal to put out your favorite song. So, mm. And cool. I absolutely love the way they go into describing why they've chosen the song they've chosen i think my song has absolutely no description necessary as to why i picked it <laughs> and it's funny i saw some, i don't know if it was you somebody put some post on the internet on facebook i forget even forget where it was about bob and doug and i'm like does anybody still know who bob and doug mckenzie are <laughs> my idols man. <laughs> like, hardly right but i mean Check unless you're out. my age like uh, like strange brew Nice, right, but but uh, you know that was what thirty years ago. 
Oh yeah, for sure. It, about yeah, I, I would have been like a little kid, man. Yeah, I'm surprised you have it. Oh. I remember when it came out, and uh, showing my age now. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm I'm turning 41 right away, so I'm not some not spring chicken. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I've still lots of time ahead of me, but you're. I thought you were younger. You you look good for your age. <laughs> oh, thanks, buddy. You're cute too. <laughs> hey now how you doing i didn't know it was that kind of show <laughs> well come on now you haven't listened before or what wait for the after all, show boys it's all dicks and glory holes buddy <laughs> oh man nick would be kicking him or killing himself laughing right now on that one i, I love man i love nick he is such an awesome dude having you and nick as part of the show justin is just we're a good team, man. I like it. Good. We're doing good things. What's your song choice? All right. Because we were talking about the lake and canoeing, or I was anyway, made me think of a song. Uh, it's by Fuki. He's a Quebec artist, and the song is called Gaye. So G-A-Y. Accent <laughs> Guy. Nice. And he says something about it life is great when you can go swimming in the lake so mm, yeah that's true yeah yeah, yeah. agreed well well boys Mr. novak throw some sheepskin on it or what head to an after show i think we could do an Let's after do show this uh, episode all right yeah. well, wait dennis knows wait. how to do this wait what am i doing send us off with a bob and doug mckenzie do. farewell <laughs> <laughs> what the Hulk? Good day. Good day. I think that's, is that the first time a guest actually does the kulukuku? No, I think Darcy got it. Oh, Darcy nice. Darcy got it, yeah. Yeah, he was all like, oh, hey, you hosers, how's it going? And, oh, Pedro got it, too. Remember, Pedro was a big hose head? Pedro was great. His accent was yeah. Oh, fucking point. spot on, right? <laughs> he went out to exactly Ukraine for a few months, eh? Sure did, yeah. Good man, good man right there, dude. I think he's back home now, but. What's well, a scary place right now? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, this. This world, man. I don't know. I don't know. But uh big shake up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what big can shake you do, up. man? What can you do? We're just we're just uh, on the sidelines watching what happens, man. Not much we can do, but I mean help help support who you can when you can, but outside of that, I mean Yeah. Keep your head down, keep making. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Well yeah. that's uh, that was Kevin Stone's uh saying, I think, is uh head down ass up. <laughs> that might have been close now. <laughs> it's not what Dennis said <laughs> no. no it's not what you said but it's along the same lines maybe I don't know <laughs> maybe I don't know. it I'm, might not I'm be along the same line I'm feeling I'm feeling the sickness right now man I've got uh, some ooh, ah, 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 going on right now Big oh time. yeah oh. got the Nyquil's I need, I, dude, as soon as this is done, I'm going to the medicine cabinet and then I'm going to the garage and then I'm 
well actually a hot shower might be in do effect as soon as i'm done doing both of those things because yeah i got it man i've got a i got a heater going right beside me i turned the heat up in the house to 22 and i have a funny feeling my wife came home and was like what the fuck it's so hot in here turn the heat down i'm freezing cold right now like i'm like literally like i'm in a toque i've got a hoodie on with two shirts on underneath i'm just like oh man uh, this hurts it's not even like you know making me shiver it just my bones hurt man it's terrible Uh, i'm not sick and that's the only thing my wife and i uh struggle over battle over is the thermostat Uh, Mm. typical yeah what do you like it at i'm always cold she's you know she's uh she's at that age she's going going through menopause and everything like she wants to like open the window and it's uh I got up the other day and it was like 61 degrees in the house, whatever that is in like, like freaking cold. Yeah, that's cold. That's cold, man. And it's, I think 69, 70 is about where my wife keeps the temperature at in her house. And I'm like, yeah, that's oh, good. We, could, we could do 72. I'd be cool with that. Oh, <laughs> I'd be happy with 70. <laughs> We have a fight if it goes higher than sixty-eight. Then, oh, uh, dude. yeah, I know the I know oh, that yeah. ground. Yeah, the only then forty things that we can agree on, and that's uh, fingers and toes. Oh no, wait, it's forty things we have in common: fingers and toes. <laughs> right. Forty things we share. Yeah. Any any projects coming up, Dennis? That uh, you're looking forward to? Um, I've got. Not, not that the gold knife is done. Uh, that that Turkish twist knife that I was working on, that one should be a pretty okay. nice one. Um, I got one commission that I'm I'm looking forward to next year. It'll be a big build. I'm gonna do a Scottish claymore. Cool, cool. Nice. great, all yeah. right. So that'll be by far the biggest uh, thing I've ever done. Um, I might need three forges for that thing. Right. <laughs> Brian, somebody asked me about that back in the day. They're like, I just got into blacksmithing. They're like, dude, you need to make me a freaking, is it a bastard sword or was it a claymore? I can't remember now, but it was like a big fucking sword. I was like, you fucking, what? Who do you think I am? (laughs) Jeez. Oh, yeah, but dude, I used to make swords all the time out of scrap metal in my backyard. It's easy, man. I'll come help you do it. I know exactly what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he ended up getting the block in the long run because, and it was it's unfortunate too because he was a old uh, old high school friend, but he's just off his rocker, man, like completely off his rocker. I thought I was off my rocker, and then I meet people that I went to school with like that. And I'm just like, <laughs> whoo, we're doing good, wow. buddy. <laughs> yeah, until now the katana was the longest I've done uh, at a tw- 27 inch blade. And the okay. claymores, I don't even, I haven't even done the research. I think they're like, like 38 inches or just the blade. Wow. Yeah. So yeah right. Crazy build. That's yeah, like a and four foot a, long sword. Yeah. Yeah. And I have another guy that wants me to make a Tai Chi sword, um, but it's really specific, like waiting. And so I don't know if I want to do that one. So Ooh, we'll challenge. That sounds like a challenge. Yeah. But you know what? It's good to throw yourself into uh, something that is scary to do. That's, uh, that's true. I, I, I think Brian House was talking about that actually taking on something that you're a, you're not sure you can get it done. It help, that's what helps you grow so oh, much. Yeah. You get yeah, maybe you don't finish it, or maybe you have some failures. You'll learn from that stuff big time, man. Well, one of my one of my 
I don't know, mottos, whatever thing, things that I live by, uh, is I do something new in every single build, mm -hmm. whether it's a process, a technique, uh, and you know, I'm always doing something new. Like the last build, besides the fact that it had gold in it, first one I've done gold inlay. <laughs> I've done super... inlay work. Like I'm always every build has got something new. And yeah, got it. You got to always be pushing yourself. Yeah, man. I think that yeah. the the gold thing has it has it been done in any sort of similarity before that you've ever heard of. I did a bunch of googling and as much online research as I could find I I've never seen anybody do it mm -hmm. so I think it I think I'm pretty sure it's a first but I'm I'm seeing a massive market for jewelry in that aspect dude you know like a a, a earring that's part gold and part you know high carbon steel that you've blackened or whatever mm -hmm. could look like or a, a necklace pendant look amazing dude that's a, some cool fucking shit there, man. It's so cool. I have one piece left over from the build that was below the tang that's probably an inch by, or just over an inch by about four inches. And uh, that'll be a, f when I get into folders, I'm going to save that piece. That'll be oh, a yes. folding knife. And it'll cool. be a very expensive folder. So that's another, I want to get into folders at some point. Yeah. What's your plan yeah. there? How are you gonna How are you gonna jump into that? Are you gonna You got somebody that you gravitate towards that you want to learn from? Um, the master smith uh, Michael Vagnino that I went through. He teaches folder classes. I mean, I've made one folder before. I made a slip joint, um, so I know the concept of those. But I I want to do a frame lock, um, and I take Kyle Royer's course on. So he does a whole one on a, on frame lock. So mm -hmm. I'll I'll do a frame lock at some point. Cool shit, man. But that's like, you know, that's as much of a milling project as it is a, uh, you know, a, a blade, like a, a bladesmith project. Completely off topic question here. I don't know why my brain just all of a sudden thought of this, but what kind of schooling did you take to get into the work that you do, dude? Uh, I went to University of Waterloo in uh, in Ontario. And of course. Computer, computer science. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. That's highly recommended high our university there that's i've heard so many good things about the university of waterloo yeah it was a fun place i think that's where um oh what's it Leva, levy or Le, is it levi oh or yeah levy levi yeah, levy i'm not sure brunel mr brunel he's down in waterloo going to school there for engineering oh. yeah. yeah yeah jealous of all these kids that are you know young like that that are in university and are making the right choices to take courses that are actually going to produce something versus uh, there's so many things you could go into that in the long run you get kind of left high and dry and there's no you know like taking material sciences can get you a job in so many different fields going to school for my brother who's a prime example went to school for pharmacy tech what else can you do with that he can be a pharmacy mm. tech. That's about it. He got into management, luckily, because he works his ass off. And now he's into management and he's got that under his belt. He could go you know, to almost any store now and manage. Right. But that's not his, he didn't have to go to school for that. He could have just got a job and became a manager with his hard work ethic. So 
You know, there's there's things like that that you got to really if you're going to go into something like that, you got to really want to do it, man. Like even welding, the prime example of going into welding, the different doors that it's open. You know, I'm in research and development now. I barely ever weld today. I in the last couple of days, I've had a huge welding project going on, which is oh so good. But it also walked me into the world of just doing mechanical operations and work working in a shop you know like you can take as a welder you can go work in almost any shop and gravitate towards what they're doing and win but yeah sorry that was something about being hands like doing software like it gets old after a while like looking at pixels on a screen Mm -hmm. and just having something in your hands that you can build you know something you said for that yeah you can take that material science or not sorry material sciences you can take that computer sciences in a lot of different directions though dude right like you don't have to be a software nerd you could well i mean you could decide to get into graphic design because you just know computer stuff that well and yeah now you're not doing software development you're making cool pictures although that's probably gone by the wayside right away with ai taking over and that shit i don't know you got any thoughts on that dennis how do you what do you think where's that gonna go on what do you mean? Um, I, I lost your train of thought there. On on AI kind of walking into the whole graphic design world and and kind of stealing from artists and you know like where is that going to go? You know we've got AI has the ability to control any sort of computerized machine and it can so essentially it can do anything a human being can do. So what happens when AI starts pumping out crazy fucking design knives that we can barely even compete with and it's just like and it does it with ease, right? Yeah, but you don't get the creative aspect to it. You don't get like they do that with comp- knives already. Like like but there's always someone like there's there's always someone behind it. Give yeah, me- well that's the thing. There's that's that's my hope for the, for it is that AI is still going to rely on those ultra creative people to drive its to drive its force, right? It's going to need input. It can't just well, who knows, maybe it can just eventually start creating that input on its own based off of everything it's been fed, but the human mind, I don't think it works like that, right? Like it has the ability to develop off of what it sees in different directions versus ah fuck, who knows? I don't know AI, man. Well, AI is more like something that learns from either like doing or like getting answers to questions, you know, when it learns there's, there's something being creative is like, that's a far stretch. Like we're nowhere near that on AI. Like AI is like, okay, there's this big massive amount of questions. And if I follow this path, then they can produce an answer, but it's never creative. You know, yes, yes, and no. I, I I foresee it becoming creative in the future, but where it sits now, it's yeah. I agree. Holy, yeah, we're we're a long ways off. Yeah, we're, just a little bit. I, I, and maybe we don't want them getting creative, like especially when they're driving cars and doing stuff like that. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm, so that's part of how I understand all of this stuff. Is that's one of the things I do at my job is. I work on electric vehicles all the time. I work on robotic vehicles. We've des- we've developed 
robotics in our buses to the point where they can self navigate mm-hmm. and they're just pushing that further and further and further every day. What more can this bus do by itself? What more can this robot take on? You know, and it's, it's endless. It really is. It can sure. literally take over fucking everything. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching data it. Processing. Data, processing it data and making decisions. Well, you probably know this if you dive into the AI uh, skeleton or backbone that Google's created. It's not a small facility. This is a ma- like plane hangers worth of fucking servers to create this. So it's, you know, like a lot of dollars. It takes <laughs> yeah. that amount of computer effort to create one ai or how how far can that go can it control multitudes of ai and i don't i don't have a good enough understanding of it to be diving that deep into it but it's one of the things that bothers me because i see all these artists complaining about it on instagram like crazy man it's just a constant thing that you're that i'm seeing right now of this ai rip off like look at the fingers they're all out of whack so you know it's ai or whatever but for how long I don't know. Hmm. I don't, maybe I, I best walk away from this. We'll have some more NyQuil there, Lando. <laughs> I haven't had any NyQuil yet today. In fact, the only only thing that I've taken to help alleviate my cold was uh, one little Advil because that's all I had at work was one Advil left in the bottle. And I got home from work and I was like, I don't want to be taking any more drugs because that's going to fuck me up. And then I'm not going to talk straight. I'm already not talking straight. So best I avoid that. One Advil, that doesn't even take the edge off for me. No kidding. Uh, I'm a lightweight when it comes to Advil and stuff like that, man. Man, yeah. like I, I start at three. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. I don't know what to tell you. Things, you know, everyone reacts to drugs. I just heard about somebody that was allergic to marijuana. It was like two minutes yeah. after they fucking smoked marijuana. Boom, they were done getting sick, out. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, I know someone who's allergic to it. Yeah. It happens. Like I said, everybody reacts differently to everything. Yeah. Well, Dennis, Anyways. here we are. Thanks so much for uh, joining us on Forchside Chat. I think uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to Saturday morning. I'm pushing the video pretty hard. I hope everyone enjoys it. It was really fun. But stressful, but fun build. Oh. But uh, it came out nice. So I'm I'm proud of it, and I hope people like it. Definitely. Well, congrats on everything that you're doing, all the, all your followers, the and thank you for the help that you're giving to, like myself, the community making Damascus. I'm like, ah, how do I do this? Oh, I better go check uh, YouTube and who pops up. It's Dennis Tyrell. So, thank you so much for that. Great. Well, it's been great being on, guys. Like I said, uh, I love the Canadian content. It's a nice uh, refresher uh, and reminder of home. Oh, take off. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize for my crazy banter towards the end of this, you guys. I'm sure everybody wanted to hear from Dennis more than they wanted to hear my stupidity. But I hope that everybody got an amazing, another amazing episode out of this one. Dennis, thank you for me as well, dude. Uh, It's been great to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me on. Sure. 
Good night. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Justin? Bye. Okay, bye.